Hey, I'm Mike Myers, and this is the Songwriting for Guitar podcast, which is geared to support songwriters and producers to gain confidence and turn pro. I bring on industry experts to help you improve and monetize your skills, engage better in the writing process, and build healthy habits to create a sustainable career that you love. Caffeinated, inspirational, conversational. Hey, what's up, friends? Mike Myers here with the Songwriting for Guitar podcast, episode number 94, co-writing the second hour. Oh, my friends, we are creeping up on the 100th episode of this podcast. Can you believe it? I can't. And we are looking forward to the next 100 episodes. But before we get there, I need you to do something for me right now. If you haven't left a review of this podcast, could you take a few seconds right now, scroll down and go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review and talk about your favorite episode. We want to get to 100 reviews of this podcast. That's a very bold thing, I know. And right now we're beyond the halfway mark. We're not where we want to be, but we're getting there and we need your help. So if you've been enjoying this podcast, listening to it, and you haven't left a review, you've heard me talk about how reviews matter and it helps us get this podcast in the eyes of other people, people that could potentially become fans of the podcast, could you take a few moments right now, write a review, and then if you've got a songwriting friend that you know would love this podcast, could you share your favorite episode with them? Just send them a little text and email and be like, hey, or share it on your social media account, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you use, just take a few moments. Believe me, I can't express how much that would mean to me because I put thought into every single one of these episodes. And when someone shares that, that means the world to me. If I could give you a hug, a high five, take you out to get coffee, believe me, I would. In fact, if you ever see me out and about somewhere, if you're in Nashville and you see me and you go like, you know, Mike, you better take me out for a cup of coffee. I, I left a review. Just tell me that. And guess what? I'll take you out for a cup of coffee. So right now, just take a few moments, leave a review. You know what? Next time you see me, I'm getting you a cup of coffee. What happens in the second hour of co-writing? Well, that's what we cover in this episode. And if you haven't listened to 93 on the first hour, I would listen to that first. But if you, you've listened through it and you're ready to know what happens, get ready. I'm going to give you two possible scenarios that you're going to run into, that I've run into, that my clients have run into, and this is what I would recommend. So two different scenarios for hour two. So get ready. We're going to dive into it. Episode 94, co-writing the second hour. Okay, co-writing the second hour. I'm going to get into two possible scenarios that you might encounter. And trust me, I've encountered these. I know many people have. So these are most likely going to happen. So and I'm going to give you the game plan, the step-by-step -step of what to do if you encounter these. The first one is, let's say after hour one, you guys reconvene and you discover, hey, what we've been talking about, uh, we're looking at the structure, what we're creating. We're going back to our reference and we feel at some point we've just gotten off the mark and I'm not loving this. You're not loving this. Having an honest conversation instead of just like thinking, I wonder if they don't like it either. Ask. This is where the communication part is really important. As I said in hour one, taking time on the front end to talk to them, get to know them 
establishes, I feel like, good dialogue so that you can be honest so that the end of hour one, if you're not crazy about the song, say it. Don't spend another hour working on something you're not crazy about that you don't like. Talk about it with them because they'll probably open up and be like, either, you know what, there may be some gold that needs fixed or like, you know what, I'm... I'm not liking it either. How about we just recenter, reset, and just start fresh? I would rather you use that second hour to write something new, write a better chorus, get on track, write a chorus idea, and have a better blueprint and foundation so that maybe at the end of that second hour, you go, you know what? You know, the first hour wasn't really productive or we got off track, but that second hour, we really recentered, we reset. We were able to at least get a solid chorus, great verse. Let's schedule another write within the next week so that we can wrap this up and move on to the next stage and solidify whether we want to go into the next stage with this song or maybe we just write some more. Being honest is really important. And I think that's tough for some people because you don't want to admit that that first hour didn't work out. Some people would say it's a failure. I would say you're just being real and not wasting more time on something that isn't going to serve the purpose of why you're writing. It's hard, but I think, again, that's the sign of a really mature writer who's willing to admit that as opposed to kind of being naive or slightly in just this fantasy world that somehow it's mysteriously all going to work out and that we'll just pretend to ignore all the bad scenarios and signs that have occurred in that first hour. And if anything, use it as a reference for next time. So your next rights will get better because then you'll be like, oh, I remember when I did XYZ and it ended up giving us something that we weren't crazy about. I'm going to try to avoid that next time. Because that's what I did. I had rights where we got wildly off track. And I'm sure there were some of the early rights too where I ignored those signs and we kept on going and nothing probably happened with the song or did we move to the next stage? Because I just wasn't into it. They probably weren't into it either. I love now just being direct and honest and admitting if it's getting off track and it's okay. Let's just take this time to recenter, reset and address it and start something new. So that's one possible scenario you might run into. Now let's say there's another scenario you might run into. This is going to be where hour one, you're wrapping it up and you love the course you have. You love the direction of the verse. Both of you are excited about this. It's on track and it's moving in a way that you feel like this has potential. So what is the second hour for? This is where the second hour comes in for refinement. I feel, again, Refining things too early on in the first hour is a waste of time because the first hour is meant to just get structure and form some sort of foundation. And this is where hour two, you can get into more detail-oriented things. We can dive in and refine verses and be like, oh, you know what? Verse one and verse two, we like the form, but now that I look at verse two, it seems like melodically we're kind of doing the same thing as we are in verse one. This is where we need to mix it up a little bit. And so let's choose a phrase where melodically we're going to do something a little bit different to make it more engaging. Or maybe you're looking at your courses and you've had some placeholder lyrics and a general idea of what you want to say melodically. You like where it's going, but this is where you're getting into the refinement period of, okay, what are we actually saying in our course? Let's take some of these placeholder lyrics and let's either 
agree that this is, you know, the first two of the placeholder lyrics we love, but the third line is just weird and it just doesn't work. We need to fix it. This is where refinement comes in. This is where you can take the fine tooth comb and go through and start to go like, yep, yep. And go section by section, giving it the attention it needs. That's what hour two is. So I think we get so excited in hour one. We want to do every section like that. Like we write a verse idea and then we try to refine the verse idea, then write a court. That's not how it works. I feel it's much easier to get rough structure. And then hour two, you can then go in and refine it. Now for me, I'm a person that loves, if I'm here in my home studio, I love building things out in my DAW. I happen to use Logic. If you are doing that, my best piece of advice is to limit the amount of instruments that you have. I like to say four to five sometimes is the best. Now, why is that? Because when you have a minimal amount of instrumentation, let's say there's a piano, basic drum, maybe a little loop and a synth. Let's just say those four items. It's much easier to configure and move them around like blocks because there's just not a lot of, when you have like 30 plus instruments, I see people wasting too much time and their co-writers time, you know, building out massive drum sounds and, and sample sounds. I've heard stories from people that said, I was working with someone and they were just going down this rabbit hole of sounds and building things. And it was just like, this didn't, I felt like I wasn't contributing. So if you're a producer, kind of track builder in a co-write, please don't waste your other co-writers time by going down a rabbit hole of sounds. Choose, you know, at minimum and at maximum, let's just go with that. Let's say max four. I really don't use more than that because it's much easier for me to chop, cut, and maneuver things around. It's easier to take this piece and go over here, this piece and go over here, so that if I've got someone in my studio, they can lay down a rough vocal, or we could just build a super rough structure of the song as we're refining it, so that if we go like, this is great, and that person leaves, I can start building it out. But I have a general structure from beginning to end of what it's going to look like. And when there's little bits or tiny bits of instrumentation, it's easier to move a verse over here and over here and chop things up. It's hard to do that when you have 30 plus tracks or let's say you all you've got are drums, like a big amount of drums. That's, a, that's really hard to do. And I don't think it's the best use of your other co-writer's time. For you, it may be interesting, but for them, it may be boring as hell. And the one thing we say in hour one is you have to be continuously engaging. You have to engage with your co-writer. And so, yes, production, building, super important. It's not always the best use of your other co-writer's time to sit there in the back while you're, or on Zoom as you're going through like 25 million sounds or drums. So if you're new to production, I probably would advise you not to build it out. But if you are someone who wants to become a track person, or that's been your, that is why they have you in the right, don't build so much out that it ends up holding back the songwriting process. I'm always looking for what is the minimum amount of what I need. So it, it, it progresses and it's also allowing my co-writer to give insight and not sit there while I go through like, that's a cool scent. That's a cool scent. It's bore. It's so boring for them. And also too, it makes them feel like, well, what am I supposed to do? Why am I here? While you have your co-writers there, use them, <laughs> use them. So that means making them a part of this entire process. So that means we want to go through and we want to make sure 
that we're refining all the parts. So like, you know, lyrics, melody, that all of those are confirmed so that when they leave and if you are building it out, that's the other thing at the end. Is this worth building out? It might not be. Now, and again, that's a hard conversation because you're like, but Mike, we did it. We wrote for two hours. We got a song. Yeah, not all songs need to be built. Some songs aren't worth building out. Hey, it's Mike. I'm jumping in the middle of this episode to let you know I have a book that's coming out. Yeah, a book. You know, over the past decade, I have gathered so much thought on teaching songwriters, really understanding the pain points in terms of what hinders their playing to write great songs. And most of the time, it's not complicated things. It's things that get overlooked again and again and again. This is the framework that I've developed that I've taught in my courses, coaching clients, that on retreats, songwriting retreats that I've taught again and again and again, I'm making available in this book. So if you're someone that wants to better understand their guitar, utilize it to its full potential to write better songs, just head right now to songwritingguitaristbook.com and you can pre-order my book right now and you're going to receive an immediate download of the audiobook, which has extra content and the Kindle version. You're going to get available ASAP. So as soon as you pre-order the book, guess what? You have these available at your fingertips so you can start diving in now. So remember, go to songwritingguitaristbook.com to pre-order The Songwriting Guitarist. Okay, let's jump back into the episode. Be real. If you feel like, you know what, this song's not bad, I think the best use of our time is to write another song. Write another song and and explain why. You could be like, I feel this is great, but you know, it, if we're being real, it, what we have is our reference. It's loosely there, but maybe we could just, if we wrote maybe two more, that's where we'd get a better song. And I feel, again, that's a sign of a mature co-writer to realize like, if you stay in this area and write a little bit more, you are going to potentially reach something that is going to be better, worth everyone's time, worth everyone's if you're paying for production or your time if you're building out and then getting a vocalist and then pitching. You want something that you feel really good about. So regardless if you're pitching for an artist, for publishing, uh, for licensing, that you feel confident. And if at the end of those two hours even with refinement, you and your co-writers feel like it's okay, but it might be worth creating and writing two more. Do that. You want all parties involved. I never want to be in and on a song where I believe it, but the other ones don't, or the other ones believe and I don't. I want everybody on board, especially if we're all getting equal percentages. And most of the time in writing, I do a 50-50 split all the way down, no matter what, because I want every party to feel invested. So remember, at the end of those two hours, you may feel like this is absolutely worth moving forward or you're like, you know what, maybe it's better if we just write again, write another one of these because we'll refine it and uh, maybe, you know, authentically we'll move in the direction we want. Because at the end, that's what you're looking for is something that feels authentic and authentic that you could pitch for an artist, authentic you could pitch for licensing, authentic that you feel like you could present in front of the publisher and feel confident. And a lot of this is finding your collaborators that 
are willing to work with you in this process too. You want collaborators that understand this process. And you may have a couple collaborators that show potential that they may be a little rocky at the start, but you see something in them that you know, like, you know what? I just love the way they create those titles. They've got such great hooks. Or it's like, I love melodically what they offer. You know, they may be new to this and there may be some areas that need developing, but there's something about them that I really love. And I love talking with them. There's a great connection because those are the things you need to look. I've seen people that have a slight, the best way to describe it is a little bit egotistical where they go like, I want nothing but the best. I want writers on my level. I want writer, blah, blah, you know, this attitude that I'm like, even if you are good, I don't think you're going to find writers that want to sit with that or work with that. I, I don't want to work with that. I want a writer that looks for the other person's goal, the best of what they offer, that can see that, that goes like, I'm not worried about you being you know amazing at every single facet of the writing process. I just see what you give right there. And that's so good. And I'm not going to be a person that measures, well, you gave this much and this much, so I'll give you this. And what I mean by that is uh, a writer that cherry picks how much you offer in the right. Because there have been times where I've, maybe I had an off day and I felt, man, I didn't, I didn't deliver this as much as I should. I delivered just a little bit and I don't know if this is good, but the writer goes, no, nah, man, this was, this was great. Do you know, like what you gave right here, you know, that wouldn't have caused me to do this. And I really love what we got. And then that song does well and it gets placed. And I'm like, wow, because vice versa, the other time they may feel like they have an off day and I'm not going to sit there and be like, well, you know, I'm not going to give you everything because, you know, I give a lot. No, I'm not going to cherry pick either because I'm like, you know what? I really love the perspective you gave here because that caused me to do this, this, and this. I love this song. And then it ends up working out. I don't want a writer that's getting out the measuring stick to see like, how much did you give here? And how much did you give here? I want someone that is willing to write great songs with me, even on days that I don't feel great. I want someone that's willing to write songs with me on days when they don't feel great because we're in it together. Those are the collaborators that I want. So this blueprint that I've given for like, you know, co-writing hour one, hour two, at the heart of it, what I want you to do is continue to co-write. Look for those co-writers that offer, you know, a different perspective that you might not see. But remember, you got to look for the gold. You got to be willing to look for the gold in others. Um, you can't just be like, well, what are you going to offer? You have to look for it. And also sometimes there's a little bit of encouragement. Writers that I write with now, I remember encouraging being like, wow, I can't believe you do that. And they're like, really? Oh, wow. It's reminding them that they have something to offer because you're going to have moments where you feel just like, Ugh. and your co-writer goes, whoa, I love how you do this. And you're like, really? It's this encouragement. It's this lifting each other up. That's what's great about co-writing. You don't have to finish the idea and you don't have to carry the whole song. You have someone that gives you the other, the other half of the idea and also helps you through those moments. That's, that's the, the beauty of co-writing. And if you are willing to be patient and work with others, they're going to be willing and patient and work with you. And that's where you end up getting amazing songs. That's where you end up getting the gold. That's where you end up getting songs that make moves. You get songs that publishers go like, wow, that's great. Songs that make artists go like, I would totally cut that. Songs that get placed for TV and film. So remember that that is the whole goal. And I would encourage you 
highlight, you know, the first hour and the second hour, save this before you go into a co-write, listen to this again, because you'll need reminding of this blueprint. And that does it for this week. It was Ed In, produced by Chris Fafalius. I'm Mike Myers. Thanks for listening.